Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. I'm hanging out with Adam Long from Focus Newspaper. Adam and I talk movies right here on WGWG.org. Uh, each week uh, we have this show, and, uh, and sometimes we'll have a special guest. Uh, last week, if you guys tuned in, uh, got an interview with uh, the director and the writer from uh, Bone Tomahawk, a film that's got Kurt Russell uh, in a Western, and it's not uh, The Hateful Eight, but a pretty cool film nonetheless. A pretty interesting Western, uh, well worth checking out. And it's one of those uh, Westerns that's a hybrid. Uh, it's got some uh, pretty interesting uh, mystery and horror elements that uh, I will highly recommend, and very brutal. Um, it's it's not a not a film for the, uh, the for the young ones. Um, so uh, it's probably one of the most brutal uh, films I've seen in quite a while, and very realistically brutal, I must say. So uh, that's called Bone Tomahawk, uh, an overlooked film from last year, but uh, well worth checking out. Uh, Adam, hey buddy, how the heck are you, man? Oh, doing fairly well. Miss chatting with you with all these uh, when these things happen. I like to I like for us to have our our opportunity to air our uh, feelings, and we just didn't get a chance last. Yeah, week. yeah. And, uh, well, we, so we was, you know uh, this. You know, we always enjoy bantering it up. And, Absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry we. We, uh, but the boy, the news was uh, coming fast and furious between the uh, awards, awards uh, news and nominations and uh, and Golden Globes and Critics Choice yep. and all of that, and then we had all this multitude of uh, celebrity deaths, and so we've just uh, it's been really a busy, a busy couple of weeks. Uh, it really a week has and a half, I should say. Yeah, know? it really has. Got got a lot to talk about, uh, and and we've got. Uh, we were uh, going to be talking about awards today, and I'm sure we'll still get around to that. Uh, we said, the, as you said, the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice; uh, those uh, were handed out since we last spoke, and uh, Oscar mm-hmm. nominations. But we've got a we've got a, over a month before the uh, Oscars are handed out, so there's plenty of time if we don't get to that today. So for our listeners, we're going to try to get to some awards talk, but uh, I want to talk about some of these deaths uh, in the music world that kind of crossed over into the uh, film world. As well, and then a, 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 a film death um, that is truly a, a filmmaker's death. And so, uh, a lot of stuff to talk about today. And then, uh, finally, uh, box office related uh, Star Wars uh, finally uh, uh, got dethroned uh, off the uh, top of the box office uh, charts, but uh, crossing a billion dollars internationally as well as a billion dollars, uh, you know, domestically almost. So, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, that uh, that that film has done so well. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had a movie that's just been this huge uh, across the board, and uh, it's pretty fascinating. And and I've I've said it uh, when we first started talking about this film, man. I um you know I, I wanted to go see it right away as soon as I saw it the first time, and I've been uh, four times already, and and I'll go see it at least a couple more before it uh, before it wraps up. My son and I, it's one of those bonding films. And every time I see it, I see something different. And uh, that is something I really appreciate. And some films, uh, the deeper you get into it, the more you see and the, and the more you can appreciate it. And that's definitely what's happened for me with uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of repeat viewing uh, going on. Not just you, a lot of yep. other people, for yep. sure. Yeah, taking me so, back to my childhood, uh, without a doubt, man, without a doubt. Well, let's talk about some of these uh, these Hollywood deaths we've had in the uh, the past couple of weeks, and I'll let you uh, start the ball rolling. Well, I guess we can, uh, if you want to do this chronologically, we can go back to um, uh, David Bowie, uh, yep. whom we lost uh, 
about a week and a half ago. He died on um, the Sunday before last, and uh, uh, the 10th of January, and that was just a real shock uh, that we, I don't think any of us anticipated. Um, it was just, uh, you know, he was such a, he just almost didn't seem, uh, he seemed like he came from another planet. Yeah, oh, he did, he did, you're <laughs> exactly right. is what uh, one of my... Uh, uh, movie colleagues uh, called him, and I think that's a good way of, of putting it, um, because he, you know, he, and, and, and it's ironic that his first feature film, uh, his first uh, acting gig, um, was in the film The Man Who Fell to Earth, <laughs> yeah. which was uh, quite fitting, Yeah, 19, he plays uh, an alien. Yeah, 1976. Exactly, directed by the great Nicholas Rogue. Um, who uh, also made one of my favorite, probably, well, one of my top five horror films of all time, which would be uh, Don't Look Now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was his follow-up film, too, Don't Look Now, which was... Uh, was um, but um, anyway, yeah, The Man Who Fell to Earth was his, was his first uh, leading role, and uh, it's, it's quite, a, quite a doozy. Um, it's, it's not a film for everybody, you know, but uh, it, and it's, uh, Nicholas Rogue is a very stylistic director, and so if you're not into his nonlinear editing style and things of that nature, it may throw you off. But uh, it's, it's a satire on, you know, uh, our, our culture um, about this, you know, the alien that comes here and uh, gets swept up into the, the, um, the culture of earthlings, I guess you would say, the consumer culture and all that. And it's, so it's kind of a satire. It's an interesting film. But, but you know, later on uh, he did other things, too, of course, and... That are certainly worth mentioning. Uh, I'm sure most of a lot of our listeners will probably remember him from Labyrinth uh, with the uh, Jim Henson film. Of yep. course, I'm sure you uh, have some memories of that too. Uh, yeah, yeah. 19, uh, 1986, uh, Lucas produced that piece, and uh, it was a, a very uh, unique fantasy action film. And uh, you know, Bowie definitely looked the rock star. Uh, with the, uh, I like to call it the uh, Rod Stewart hair on steroids uh, in that particular film. And uh, he played uh, played this uh, Goblin King, if I remember correctly. Um, and it, uh, Jennifer Connelly, uh, an, an early uh, early film for her. And I've all th- always thought that she was just absolutely stunning and beautiful. Uh, always been uh, smitten by her. But uh, remember her being in that uh, in that film as well. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was it was a financial flop when it came out. Although it has a huge cult following um, at this stage, uh, it's well remembered. But at the time it came out, it didn't do very well, and uh, it was a big, uh, just a big, big, huge disappointment for Jim Henson. It took him a while to to emotionally recover from uh, the failure of that film. Uh, but he didn't really. He, uh, he followed up uh, Bowie followed up Man Who Fell to Earth with Just a Gigolo in '78, which uh, I've heard that that. Uh, it wasn't received very well, but several of our colleagues have told me it's a good film. I need to seek it out. And then in 83, he was on a roll with uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, and Yellow Beard and The Hunger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony Scott directed uh, The Hunger, of course, and Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which is well regarded. And uh, in between all of that, he also did, do you remember that short film, The uh, the Snowman, the Christmas oh, uh, yeah, animated I do. Christmas special? I sure do, yeah. yeah. He narrated that. Uh, uh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, he did. That was an, uh, and that was a thing from our childhood too. But 
One of my favorite uh, film appearances, and of course later on he played Pontius Pilate in The Last Temptation of Christ. We can't forget that. Oh, yeah. And uh, and the Absolute Beginners, uh, the, the movie musical directed by Julian Temple, who also directed some of his um, music videos. And of course he was in The Prestige, uh, you know, uh, with a director by Chris Nolan. He plays Nikola Tesla in that film, which was really his last uh, major, major uh, film role, I would say. Um, but one of my favorite things that he did was the 1985 film uh, Into the Night, directed by John Landis, which uh, he played a gangster in that film. Uh, and there's a great scene where he and uh, Carl Perkins, the, uh, the, the rock and roll star Carl Perkins from the 50s who did Blue Suede Shoes. Right. They both play villains in the film and they're they're in the same they're in the same room uh they're in the same scene coming after um, Jeff Goldblum's character in that film and I just always thought that was just a hoot to see David Bowie and Carl Perkins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. villains. Great casting, great casting. But uh anyway, uh, we we will uh, you know this is not even talking about his tremendous musical right. contributions. Um, which we could sit here all day uh, about that. Yeah. He was just such a chameleon-like guy who, who never rested on his laurels and just uh, continu- continuously changed and uh, he, with the times and, and try, just always experimenting and trying new things, and he just had such a, a, deep, such a deep knowledge of music as well. He was a huge fan of music as well, as evidenced by some of the, the, um, the guest DJ spots that he did on the BBC Radio Network, which you can find on YouTube now, which are interesting, and you can get a peek into his musical taste. So anyway, uh, but rest in peace, David Bowie. That's kind of a, a shortened version of uh, uh, tribute. Yeah, him, and, and, no, I'll, uh, and, and I'll dive in. You, you, I'm going to echo a couple things that you said. Yeah. The uh, he was a chameleon, and you know he was very comfortable on stage when he was some other persona. He was very comfortable, and I think that's why he enjoyed acting. Is he got to literally put on another face and be someone else, and he was most comfortable when he was performing as someone else or performing as something else. And you know, you look at throughout his career, you had of course the you know the Ziggy Stardust, but there were so many other different incarnations of of Bowie personified and um and and you know even when in the 80s you know he became this i was talking to jeff powell uh operations manager here at wgwg and we were talking about you know even in the 80s he became this very suave guy you know he was very well dressed very you know stylistic uh in his approach and it was just a whole different kind of thing and so you know you look from a fashion sense uh, of who he was and it's really uh pretty impressive on uh, the impact that he had on on uh, on others that came came after him and even during his time, but uh, but yeah, a very impressive uh, impressive career uh, on film and in music. Uh, David Bowie, uh, we have lost him, and uh, and we also lost another uh, another film uh, another uh, actual musician who uh, another big surprise uh, just recently with Glenn Frey, uh, co-founder of the Eagles. And uh, you know he had some TV and film uh, film related uh, stuff he was involved in as well, and really uh, you know kind of owes that to to Michael Mann, who kind of sought him out back in the '80s during the uh, Miami Vice days, and uh, Glenn Frey got to do some uh, some some you know some strong acting uh, in that kind of stuff, and just really kind of enjoyed himself. And we we saw him show up in uh, other films like uh, Jerry Maguire, and yep. uh, and I think he was in uh, like a, uh, Let's Get Harry, maybe back from '86. 
Yeah, think so. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Glenn Fry, uh, you know, a big surprise there. Uh, did not did not see that coming as well. Got a chance to uh, see the Eagles uh, a couple times in the past few years. And uh, Don Henley, you and I were talking about this earlier. He uh, was talking about uh, about the Eagles uh, recently and, and talking about kind of that love of, of doing that and. Um, you know, continue to do the concerts, and uh, he was asked, you know, how long are you going to keep doing this? You've got this solo project coming out. How long are you going to keep doing uh, the Eagle stuff? And he said, you know, as long as Glenn wants to continue to do it, I'm, I'm on board. And and you said uh, you were talking about Howard Stern and uh, something he said on Howard Stern, which kind of echoed that. I'll let you kind of chime in with that. Oh, yeah. He, he just basically said that uh, that he Howard asked him if uh, when decisions, creative decisions were made, how did they go about it? And he said, well, Glenn's the captain of this ship. Uh, I'm just the first mate. So <laughs> that, essentially, that Glenn said what, you know, he made the creative decisions. And, and, of course, you know, he would consult Don, obviously, about things that, that went on. But uh, that's that's kind of the partnership they had. And and of course, they 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 did steer that ship for a long time. And you know, unfortunately, in the last couple of years, they had the group had become some something of a butt of people's jokes uh, with you know the way they kept touring incessantly, and uh, you know uh, people were you know sp- speaking uh, of them in condescending terms in the last couple of years. But you know, I, I was. I was just all. I wasn't going to be that cynical. I was. I was just glad that they were still out there yeah. doing it. That they, you know, weren't uh, hanging it up, and, and they were still giving the fans what they wanted. You know. Uh, you know, there could be an argument made for that, but you know, I was. Uh, I, I was glad that they uh, that they were doing what they were doing, and and uh, you know, it's just real sad uh, because you know, without uh, Glenn Fry, there are there is no Eagles anymore. It's not. Yep. It's it's done. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, it's. And, and Don Henley said, you know, as long as as long as we have Glenn Fry, we have the Eagles. And now it's 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 gone. You know, it is absolutely yeah. gone. And um, you know, I I never, you know, those people who were kind of joking and making the butt of jokes, you know what? Do that all day because I went to the shows yeah. and I, I got to see them twice in the past four years, and they were some of the best shows that I had ever seen. They still had it. They still had the energy. They still had the talent. They still had the voices, right, and yeah. um, they could still do it. And you know, to me, as long as you can still do it and do it well, then I have yeah. no problem whatsoever with you continuing to tour. None at all. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I, I had, uh, I, I was glad, I was glad to see them still out there. You know, as I am with a lot of other acts who continue to do it and. Uh, you know that you have to be thankful for what you have while you have it. Exactly. Uh, that's a quote from uh, about Schmidt. Yeah, that's uh, exactly with, uh, right. Jack Nicholson, he says that in the film, and it's very true. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we're learning this, and of course, Alan Rickman. We can talk about him for a minute. Uh, yeah. What a, what, a, what a major talent there, uh, especially for fans of film. And where do we start with this guy? He meant yeah. so many. Uh, the thing that made that made him such an interesting actor was that he. So many different parts of um, our culture knew him from different things. I mean, the millennials, they know him from the Harry Potter films. They literally grew up with him. My right. daughter, son, your kids, uh, our kids, I should say, all knew him from you know the Harry Potter films. And um, we know him from 
uh, Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, that's uh, where he played Hans Gruber, arguably one of the greatest villains yes. of all time. Oh, yes. In the oh, yes. Film. And, he, and he was not a young guy when he started. And by the way, he, he died of cancer, in case anybody listening right. didn't catch that. I'm sure you have. But he died of cancer uh, last Thursday at age 69, uh, ironically the same age as David Bowie. And, uh, you know, when, when, when he burst onto the scene in, in Die Hard, he was, a, yeah, he was a stage actor. He was a successful stage actor, but, uh, but he was 42. He wasn't yeah. a young guy. Uh, partic- I mean, he wasn't a real old guy, but he was, you know, older to yeah. be starting oh, yeah. his film career. Yeah. And uh, after that, the parts came fast and furious. Yeah, they did. Uh, they he, really did. He was in, yeah, exactly. He was in Anthony Minghella, the director of uh, The English Patient. His first film was Truly Madly Deeply. He plays a ghost in that film, and that's a nice film if you've not seen that one. Uh, and then later on, of course, he, he got into the Harry Potter films yep. uh, and became, um, you know, part of that franchise. Yeah, and yeah. then did uh, Love Actually, which is, you know, one of those Christmas movies that people return to on, on a regular basis, even Sense and Sensibility. And I think you probably remember as well as I do, I really appreciated him in uh, Galaxy Quest. Oh, yes. Absolutely, <laughs> man. He was hilarious. Absolutely <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Yeah, Shakespearean yeah. actor who was angry at that yep. he never could act, he could have a serious acting career, and he was stuck in this, yeah. <laughs> uh, playing this character from this television yep, show. <laughs> yep. And, you know, and you know, we'll, we'll, I'm going to back up a few years, too. He yeah. was absolutely wonderful in uh, the 1991 film, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. As, uh, as the sheriff right, of yeah. Nottingham, he just, yeah. you know, he gave it this, um, a sense of humor to it that, you know, that we hadn't really thought about before. And, you know, you yeah, go back and look exactly. at that film, and, you know, that film had some great, uh, some great talent. And it and it was a fun film for that summer. I mean, Morgan Freeman in that, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio in that mm-hmm. as well. Also, of course, you know, Kevin Costner as as Robin Hood. But but uh, but seeing Rickman as uh, you know as the sheriff, he was just he was evil and nasty. But it he was fun in the process. And uh, you know that was just uh, that was interesting. And then of course you know he never he never completely let go of those British roots. I mean, he was in Sense and Sensibility back in '95. Um, and so he, he always kind of had that connection to that kind of stuff. And even you, with the Harry Potter things, I mean, those were really uh, kind of birthed in that that British concept of, of filmmaking. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And uh, he was, like I said, he's you know he's he's one of those rare actors who means something to everybody. Yep. Uh, really, literally. You know, my kids were upset about it, and and people of my age were upset about it, and uh, so he was, uh, like I said, he was just one of those rare, one of those rare ones. Yeah, and you know, he also, you know, talking about your kids and stuff, I mean, he, um, you know, he also would do voice talent, and he did uh, the um, Alice in Wonderland film, he was a blue caterpillar, and uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass, he'd finish all his work, and that'll be coming out later this year, did voice work in that, he was also in uh, TV uh, King of the Hill, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, did some voice work in that as well. So, uh, you know, I, I got to say, I, you know, he's, he's a guy that, that I'm definitely going to miss and miss his work um, or miss new work from him, uh, that's for sure. But, uh, but Alan Rickman, uh, we will miss you, but we're very happy. We've got, uh, got some, of your, uh, some of your great work throughout the years to, to check out and, and, uh, and really enjoy. I'll tell you this too, very quickly about him. He, uh, we, uh, uh, the other show that I'm, I'm a monthly. For those listeners out there who don't know, I uh, contribute a monthly Blu-ray report to the uh, podcast Movie Geeks United, and 
and we had him on that show uh, a couple of years ago. He actually came on and spoke to us for about ten minutes. And uh, at the end of it, uh, he said he asked us if we could make him an honorary geek. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. The, the movie Geeks United. And he said, "Could you could you guys make us make me an honorary geek?" And uh, we we laughed and chuckled about it. It was yeah. funny. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So uh, he was he was just a really nice guy too, not just uh, you know. So yeah, yeah. Very... Like, like you said, he will he will be missed. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, man, um, what else do you want to chat about before we dive into any kind of awards talk for the last uh, few minutes? Well, I mean, uh, there are a couple of things out playing in theaters that, uh, that I have seen, uh, and I don't know if you've seen these 13 hours. Did you see yep, yep. that? Uh, Let's go for it. That was, uh, that was uh, released last weekend. Uh, yep. Number four at the box office last weekend in uh, about 2,300 theaters. So didn't have quite the uh, theater count as Ride Along, Star Wars, uh, or The uh, Revenant. But, uh, but yeah, not, not too bad to open up at number four with, uh, with that kind of thing. So let's uh, get I your know, thoughts. I was kind of surprised at the, uh, the screening uh, we had last Tuesday night, the pre-release screening, press screening. Um, they had to turn away 40 people there. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I thought, well, boy, there's the real demand for this film. And I figured it was just going to scoop up that uh, that American Sniper audience. But it, it, I was surprised that it didn't do a little bit better than what it did. Um, but, um, you know, but it definitely has a vibe of American Sniper. It's just not as skillfully made because uh, Michael Bay is no Clint Eastwood, I mean, right. essentially. And, yeah, it's a different uh, different kind of thing. It really is. It is. It is. I mean, there, there's some good action sequences in it. Um, there's some good stuff going on there. It's too long, I think. Ultimately, uh, it's two hours twenty five minutes, and the first forty five minutes could have been trunk could have been easily chopped down to about ten, in my opinion. And uh, so that's a criticism I have of it. It's just way too long. Uh, but you know, Michael Bay hasn't never met a scene that he didn't want to, that he could shorten. We know that. So uh, no surprise. So. So, uh, uh, but anyway, um, at any rate, he's, um, uh, you know, like I said, it's just a pretty much a straightforward telling, uh, retelling of the, uh, the Benghazi attack. And uh, it tries very hard not to be partisan or political or anything, and I'll give him credit for that, for not yeah. taking sides. And I, I agree so, with you. So, you know, there's, um, you know um, I, there's a certain segment of the population who are going to really eat it up, and it'll be their kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, I give it a B-. minus. Um, so that was my take on it. Yeah, I, I'm giving it a I'm giving it a B, and I, I, it's uh, it really is because it's very much a, a genre driven film. It's one of those films that um, you know if you like uh, this kind of thing that that kind of tells. I mean, I think back to the Black Hawk Down, um, you know, and uh, and you said American Sniper, you know, all those kind of films. If you're drawn to that kind of thing, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this. Uh, you're gonna really appreciate this, and uh, you know, others maybe not quite as much. Um, but I did think it was well done, um, you know, well shot. I thought the, uh, you know, the, the fight scenes uh, done very well. But Michael Bay knows how to do those kinds of films. I mean, that's something uh, as far as those kinds of scenes. He knows how to do those, um, the, the explosions, the battles. He's, he's good at that. I mean, he really is good at that. So didn't expect, uh, didn't expect that not to, not to show there. But I'm with you. I, I've been, um, of late, there have been quite a few films that I've watched that, that I've said, you know, half an hour too long, you know, 45 minutes too long. And there's been a lot of that. And, you know, this one was two hours, 24 minutes. Um, you know, could have yeah. easily been two hours easy and would have been plenty. 
would have been absolutely plenty, and, and the story would have still held held strong. You still could have told the story. But I, I'm just, I've been um, honestly a little frustrated by these films where they just feel like they need to just kind of stretch things out just for the sake of, I can. And, um, you know, that I will say a couple times I did find myself kind of looking at my watch going, okay, wow, this does feel a little longer. Uh, it'll make its money back. It was uh, actually, believe it or not, a pretty low-budget film, $50 million. Uh, and for Michael Bay, that's uh, that's really really low. Um, so it'll it'll make its money back. It'll do it'll do fine at the box office. But uh, yeah, B for me, B minus uh, from uh, from Adam for 13 hours uh, in theaters now. Uh, what else you got, man? Well, Animalisa uh, is an animated film yep. from Charlie Kaufman, yep. who gave us uh, uh, adaptation and uh, being John Malkovich and Schenectady, New York. Uh, he directed that uh, with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. And this is an animated film that's uh, mainly going to appeal, I think, to Charlie Kaufman's fans. Right, uh, right. They're with you, man. It's taste. Yeah. So um, I, you know, it, it's basically a meditation on loneliness, and uh, it's animated with dolls. And uh, But I will say it has one of the most realistic love scenes between uh, two people that I've, that I've ever seen, uh, that I've seen in a film in probably a decade or more, yeah. and it's interesting that they do this with dolls, or yeah. doll-like creations. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, you know. It's uh, they get all the stuff right. Like uh, there, there's the scene. Uh, it's the scene where the two, the two characters at the center of the film are, are are you know they're getting ready to make love, and it's all the awkwardness with the uh, you know oh you're on my hair that kind of thing. <laughs> Be careful! Don't don't oh 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 you're hit you, you hit me you elbowed me or whatever you know those kind of awkward right, things. Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it was. Uh, it, it's really it captures all of that awkwardness, you know, it, very realistically. With dolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and I'll say that, you know, from an audience perspective, um, the, the awkwardness, you feel even more awkward because you're watching it, and yet you're watching dolls, and that's that's creepy in itself. Yep, and so there, yep. there is this very creepiness to this. Um, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are creeped out by clowns, a lot of people who are creeped out by dolls, and so if, uh-huh. if you're one of those that's creeped out by dolls, this I would say this is probably not the film for you. Um, it, it is a bit, uh, a bit different, uh, unique. I love it is unique and I like the aspect that it's a unique, uh, kind of film, but you nailed it earlier. Uh, Charlie Kaufman fans, um, are, are going to, going to dig it because it's Charlie Kaufman. Um, and they're going to kind of be drawn into it because of that. But, uh, it, this is definitely not a film that has a, a wide, wide, wide appeal. That's for sure. Uh, it is an R rated film as well. So, um, you know, once again, when you hear animation, understand this is the, this is not the kind of animation that you're going to show your five or six year old. Yeah, it's it's true, and I uh, I I would give it a, a I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, I found the ending of it to be a little uh, I felt a little rushed, and it wasn't quite satisfactory for for my taste. I didn't feel like there was quite a real resolution to uh, what went on between uh, the, the the two characters and. Um, and uh, so that that was one of my criticisms of it. Uh, but uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, a one-two punch here yep. with her performance in The Hateful Eight, and she voices the female lead uh, and lead character in the film, and and uh, just does such a great job in both of those. Uh, I, I just uh, I was really blown away. So so anyway, there you go. So yep. those are the last uh, couple of things that I've uh, that I, I that I have um, seen. Oh, and I did see Mustang. The uh, Academy Award nominated uh, French uh, France's uh, entry into the Oscars race this year, which has been nominated for Best Foreign Film, and 
And uh, it's basically a story of female empowerment with these five uh, teenage girls uh, are, are living. And it takes place in Turkey, a, fr- a French film that takes place in Turkey, which is interesting. But uh, these five girls, uh, basically uh, their parents have, have been killed and so they're living with the grandmother and the uncle, and they're so overprotective, and they don't want the girls to go out. So they literally make their house into a prison that these girls can't get out of, except when they, the, the, except when the grandmother and the uncle decide to let them out from time to time. And and the one girl, she's just feisty and decides that she's going to make her escape. And so that's essentially it's a female empowerment film, and, and again a B plus. I uh, felt like there were some some parts of the plot that were a little sluggish. But uh, over, all in all, it's 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 a good film with a with a very empowering message, and I like the message of the film. And so, uh, there you go. All right, and this weekend uh, there are three films in wide release. Uh, if you're wanting to look uh, for something, if you're looking for comedy, uh, Dirty Grandpa will be released with De Niro, uh, Robert De Niro, that is, and Zac Efron. Uh, that is being released uh, this weekend. Also, uh, The Boy. Uh, kind of a horror um, element of a film, supernatural element, The Boy, that's being released this weekend. And The Fifth Wave, uh, which is based on a best-selling uh, young adult uh, book series, uh, that will also uh, be released this weekend in the U.S. Already been released in uh, in foreign markets. Um, you know, it's, it's wild how some of these movies... You, you, you kind of ask, okay, why are they? Why are these released uh, overseas before they're released here? You know, there's a, there's a, uh, there is a method to the madness. But in some of them, I really do kind of question, why are you waiting so long, or why did you do it beforehand? Star Wars, great example. You know, it was like mm-hmm. uh, two, two weeks, three weeks before it ever hit China, and um, but man, once it hit China, it just kind of exploded there, which we knew it would. And maybe that was part of it was building up the, uh, just building up that interest uh, on the in the foreign scale. But man, um, yeah, in China, uh, it's brought in ninety six million dollars in China alone, which is pretty dang impressive. Uh, I gotta say, um, yeah, and that's absolutely. only been out since the uh, since the seventeenth. I'm sorry, that's as of the seventeenth. It was released the ninth, but uh, you know, almost three weeks after it was released everywhere else. So. Uh, the, the foreign market, a very interesting market, and in, uh, in, in the plans and how they decide what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. But uh, man, oh, yeah. we, we are out of time, Adam. Uh, no time to talk. <laughs> uh, no time to talk awards. We've got plenty of time to talk about that. We are in awards season, and uh, a lot will be happening between now and uh, February 28th. So, look forward to catching up with you and chatting about some of these award shows so far and some of the things that have been happening. Uh, Adam Long, you can find him at Focus Newspaper. Dot com And you can always follow us and check us out on Facebook and look at some of our reviews there as well. WGWG.org is uh, where you want to listen to this show every Friday night and uh, look for SoundCloud link there to uh, find all of our archives. Until next time, I'm Noel Manning. That's Adam Long, and you've been listening to Cinema Scene on Gardner-Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. Until next time, that is a wrap.